Hey guys, it's Scott. I know usually you tune in and you're hearing Jeff's sweet, velvety voice coming across your headphones, but this week, Jeff is having some health issues and unfortunately is unable to record. Don't worry, he'll be fine, he'll kick out, maybe at two and seven-eighths, but he'll kick out and we'll be back for you guys next week. But in the meantime, we still have an episode for you. Of course, you know, we're weekly, we're every Sunday. So, of course, we have an episode for you guys. This one actually comes from Podcasticon, an episode we recorded a while back with Richard Yule, and it's basically a history of wrestling figures. So we're going to take you guys back, a little trip down memory lane, reliving all of the wrestling figures that we know and love today. So I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll be back for you next week. Same wrestling figure time, same wrestling figure channel. Thanks for tuning in to Fully Posable, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Scott. Hey, yo. Is that his younger brother? It's gonna be Jeff. The cream rise to the top. Oh, yeah. And you're listening to all of the great action figures from our good friends at Hasbro. The fully postable. Have your own WrestleMania with all your favorite figures. Wrestling figure. Made so separately from LJN. Podcast. And we are the Mount Rushmore of professional <laughs> wrestling. Welcome, everybody, to the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast on Podcasticon 2021. My name is Jeff, and sitting alongside next to me is my real-life brother, not storyline brother, Scott. Scott, say hello. Hello. This is Fully Posable. We have been around since 2016, January 25th, to be exact. We've been going along for five years. My brother and I just sitting here riffing off each other. We've actually introduced newer toy lines, but our main collection is actually wrestling figures. And we're going to be going into the history of wrestling figures for Podcasticon 2021. Yes, and just for the record, you and I started collecting when the LJNs came out. It, we didn't start getting them in 84. We started getting them about 1985, and we jumped in during the first series, and we've been collecting ever since. We never stopped. We've been watching wrestling since 84, 85, and we've been collecting the figures since that time we started watching wrestling. In fact, the toys is what got us into wrestling. Not the other way around. It wasn't wrestling that got us into the figures. It was the figures that got us into wrestling. And neither of us have ever lost that passion. We've been collecting figures and watching wrestling ever since. And we both agree that LJN is the best of all time. But it's a 1-in-1A situation with Hasbro. And of course, we'll get to that. But that's a little bit down the road. Let's start off with the earliest wrestling figures. Now, a lot of people, when they think of wrestling figures, a lot of our generation think of LJNs and AWA Remcos, but they were not the first wrestling figures. Wrestling figures actually date back to the 1950s, and in the 50s, there was a wrestler by the name of Gorgeous George, and he actually had what appeared to be like a puppet. Yes. Or a doll. Very hard to find. Good luck if you do find one. You're probably going to pay out the wazoo for it, but that was kind of the very first wrestling figure. Then in 1969, Bullmark Toys put out Japanese Pro Wrestling Alliance action figures, and some of their stars during that time was Antonio Inoki, and they actually put that out. The figures were almost like porcelain dolls, if you look at it, 
And they were articulated at the shoulders, the legs, and the neck. And they weren't really wrestling figures, but they were kind of like a doll, sort of like you would see back in the 1960s, 1970s. Fast forward to 1981, staying in Japan, there was a series called Popey. And it only went one series. They were articulated, and when I say articulated, movable, at the arms and at the waist. And a lot of famous wrestlers, rookie figures, were in that line. Gentlemen such as Hulk Hogan, who in his Japanese run was wearing black trunks. Harley Race, Bob Backlund, Andre the Giant. All these wrestlers were in Series 1 of this Popey line. Yeah, and those are also, like you mentioned with the Gorgeous George puppet slash doll, you're going to pay out the wazoo for them. They are very expensive. It's hard to complete that collection. And actually, there is a store now called Junk Shop Dog out of Australia. And they just released a Bruiser Brody figure in the style of the original Popey figures. So you can definitely go check them out. I believe that Bruiser Brody is still available. And you can pick that thing up. It's about as close as you're going to get to an affordable Popey figure. And each Popey figure did come with a card. Now moving along to the wrestling figures that we all grew up with, the famous LJN. As per the toys that made us, LJN wasn't going to get this line. Originally, it was going to be Galoob Toys. Right, and Galoob got a license later, but it was not WWF. And the money that LJN made with the WWF license, oh man, I'm glad I wasn't Galoob. Now, some other little tidbits regarding the LJN line. Now, we remember that they were eight inches of solid rubber, not movable, non-articulated. But originally, they were not supposed to be in that scale. No, they were actually supposed to be like the Bendies. And we'll get to the Bendies that LJN created to accompany the 8-inch rubber line. But the sales reps were given what essentially were the main release LJNs later. They were given it was going to be, a, it was like a two-up, right? So they had this, this non-Bendy two-up of a Bendy, and that was supposed to be sized down. But the consumers or the retailers loved the look of the big 8-inch rubber guys so much, the sales reps went back to LJN and they're like, look, the people want this. They don't want the smaller, which would have been almost like a 3 and 3 quarter, 4-inch scale. The retailers don't want this. They actually want the 2-up size as is, which was 8 inches of hard rubber that really didn't bend too much at all. So that's what ended up coming out. And then later on from LJN, we got their bendy line, which was essentially what LJN was supposed to be from the jump. Throughout this LJN series, there were a lot of wrestlers that we were excited to get, such as Ricky Steamboat, Macho Man Randy Savage. But when you saw these guys in the catalogs, and when I say catalogs, I mean like JCPenney's or service merchandise, they would be displayed one way, and then you would get something totally different. For example, Ricky Steamboat, was supposed to be in red and black. And at the last second, there's a paint switch and they just put him in an all black tights. Yep, exactly. And Corporal Kirshner was in some shots shown with a beard. And when he actually came out, some figures had the beard, some didn't. George the Animal Steel was shown with colored hair on his chest. When the main figure came out, the hair was not colored. It was just kind of a, a lumpy chest almost, like they had kind of like just sculpted the hair on, but they didn't give it any color. And Tito Santana is another one who was an entirely different pose from when he originally actually was released. 
the prototype was shown and the arms were different. And you can listen to a lot of this in some of our past episodes, but mainly the one that we would recommend is you listen to the one that we had with Bill, who was the lead designer from LJN from Series 2 until Series 5 or 6, I believe, before they went over to Grand Toys. And we'll get into that in a second. But he was the lead designer. He was the one that worked on the figures. He designed them. So that's a fun listen. Bill also divulged and also had the prototypes of articulated LJN figures. Yeah, and unfortunately, those never came out because they were trying to do something to kind of compete with the G.I. Joe line at the time, which G.I. Joe was huge in the 80s. And as we all know, they had three and three quarter inch figures and LJN wanted to put out their wrestling figures in that same scale, articulated as well to kind of compete with the G.I. Joe line. But unfortunately, those never came to be. There are prototypes that exist. In fact, Jeff, you own the Hulk Hogan prototype. But unfortunately, we never got those figures. There are two prototype Hulk Hogan's. And yes, you are correct. I do own one of them. So, Also, the LJN action figure line was also the first one to debut a ring. Yes, we got a Slingham Flingham wrestling ring. A huge plastic monstrosity that was actually recalled later due to the posts. As I guess kids were impaling themselves on them. They actually had to recall the rings at a later date. They gave us a steel cage accessory, which was the bl- the big blue cage that we all know and loved from late 80s WWF. They released that as an accessory. We got, as previously mentioned, the Bendy figures, which also we got a wrestling ring for that actually came with a little bit larger scale Hulk Hogan in blue knee pads. That was a special figure that came with the ring. And in addition to that, we got thumb wrestlers and we were supposed to get vehicles at some point, but those, much like the articulated figures, were scrapped. And we also got stretch wrestlers, which if you think Stretch Armstrong, think WWF in the same vein as Stretch Armstrong. And we got wrestlers such as Ricky Steamboat, Macho Man Randy Savage, Paul Orndorff, and of course, Hulk Hogan. The vehicles were supposed to be similar to the vehicles on Hulk Hogan's Rocket Wrestling for those that remember the cartoon. Yes, exactly. And we got thumb wrestlers as well. So basically they were really small. They resembled the LJN figures perfectly, but they were smaller scale. They all had the same pose and you could stick them on your thumb and you could put one on the other thumb and you have a little battle. And what some people confuse as LJN is actually not LJN. And I'm talking about a line of erasers that was released around the same times that LJN figures debuted. And they look like the Bendies, but they are not. They're actually a line of erasers made by Winston Toys. And it's actually the very first Wendy Richter figure ever released. And up until a year or two ago, they released a network spotlight. Mattel did release a network spotlight Wendy Richter. That was the second ever Wendy Richter figure released. Winston Toys actually has the claim to do the first Wendy Richter in the form of what many thought was a Bendy, but was actually an eraser. And they were great looking as well, too. Yes, they were. To our sadness, and actually we didn't know about this because the internet wasn't around in 1989, the LJN series went away. The last series was put out by Grand Toys, a Canadian company. And a lot of those figures are rare. And you'll hear a lot of LJN collectors talk about the black card. These figures were put onto a black card. And in this line was Andre the Giant from his WrestleMania 3 look where he had the black singlet 
Ultimate Warrior's first figure was here. There was also a lot of repaints. There was Macho Man, Adrian Adonis. We also got, we did get a big boss man. That was his first figure. So a lot of good came out of Grand Toys being able to push out that last line. Yeah, and there was a rumored last series that was supposed to consist of, among others, the Bushwhackers, Bad News Brown, Brother Love. But unfortunately, as you mentioned, Jeff, that black card, Grand Toys, was the last we saw of the LJN line. And it signified, as you said, it's a black card. And unlike the, the main run LJNs, they were a blue card that said Wrestling Superstars on it, the plastic bubble, the little cardboard bottom that hid the poster that came with every single figure. This one, the black card on the front said Wrestling Superstars 89, still had the plastic bubble on the front with the wrestler inside, and they all still included a poster. However, the posters that were included was a live shot of the wrestler, not a painting as was with the LJN main series. We had so many memories, and you can go back and listen to our episodes on Podbean, or you can check out fullyposablepodcast.com. But we tell so many stories of growing up with those figures. And it was just five years of our childhood, but they left so many memories. And it that basically led to what we have now, a podcast, and actually being on the toys that made us. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell a quick story too. I was at Toys R Us hunting down mask toys. And I don't, I don't know how many people are from the 80s or grew up in that generation, but Mask was a popular line in the 80s, had kind of a shorter run, but when it first came out, was really, really big. So I was at Toys R Us looking for mask toys. And I'm walking through the aisle and I come across the Series 1 LJN figures. And I'm like, wow, what are these? I mean, they're large, they're very colorful. And the first figure I saw on the peg was Jimmy Superfly Snooka. So I take the figure off the peg, I'm looking at the back, I'm looking at the figure. Now I'm invested. I see that there's a wrestling ring that you can kind of throw these guys around in. I knew zero about wrestling, but the figures drew me in. They were very, like I said, very colorful. They looked awesome. They were huge, which was completely out of scale because I was playing with Star Wars and G.I. Joe at the time, little three and three quarter inch figures. These things were over two times the size of those. So I was blown away by how cool they were. So I asked our mom, can I get this? And she says, no, the last thing you need is another toy line because as I said, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, He-Man. Now I'm looking for mask toys. She's like, the last thing you need is another toy line to get invested in. So I skipped it. I go home. I start watching wrestling. Now I'm hooked on the product itself, wrestling. And I tell mom, look, I will stop collecting Masters of the Universe. And I I think that was one of the, I think it was Star Wars because Star Wars was kind of winding down around 85. I tell her, look, I'll stop Star Wars and I'll stop He-Man. Can I get wrestling figures? And that opened the door. And here we are in 2020, still collecting wrestling figures. Yeah, we dropped a couple dollars on those. A few, yes. (laughs) During the LJN line, we did have another wrestling company emerge. Brought to you from Remco was the AWA, American Wrestling Association. They pumped out some He-Man style figures. Now, they were in the scale of He-Man. They had the different, they had a couple different type of bodies. They had a uh, kind of like a... Uh, I don't want to say a fat mold, but a a blubbery mold, I guess. Like a a chubby, a chubby. A little bit extra to love, so to speak. Yes, and then they had the ripped mold, of course. We got so many figures from this, and this line only went about a year. Uh, uh, Yeah, it actually went two. But we got some debut figures from some famous stars that would emerge as superstars, such as Shawn Michaels and Scott Hall. Their first figures were in the AWA Remco line. 
Yeah, Kurt Henning as well. And these were actually, as we mentioned with LJN, 8 inches, non-posable rubber. These were the polar opposite of that. These were about four and a half inches tall, maybe. As Jeff said, they were in the scale of He-Man. So think a He-Man-sized figure. But they were articulated at the neck, so you could swivel the head. Articulated at the arms, at the waist, and at the legs. So you could actually start to do moves with these things. The other cool part was they came, the first couple series anyway, came as two or three packs. So when you went to the store, you didn't leave with just one figure. You'd go home with two. So... You either got a tag team or you got foes. For example, the tag team, some popular ones were Ganya's Raiders, the High Flyers, and of course, the one that every kid had, the Road Warriors. Or, in terms of foes, you had Larry Zabisco and Ric Flair, and you had Rick Martel and Baron Von Raschke, and later series, Carlos Colon and Abdullah the Butcher. We, As Jeff said too, we got some really, really cool names with their first figures ever, Mr. Perfect, or Kurt Henning. Greg Gagne, who has since not had a wrestling figure released. Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty. This was Ric Flair's first figure ever. Larry Zabisco has not had a lot of figures produced, but Remco made one of them. We got a three-pack of the Fabulous Freebirds. And most, if not all, of the figures came with cloth accessories, which was a very cool touch at the time. And each figure had a squishy head. You could yes. literally squish their head. And we're not, talking about, we're not talking about kids in the hall squishy head. Yeah, squish your head. <laughs> I, hey, we're talking about 80s, so let's let's go throw it back. So to our knowledge, we we didn't know that LJNs were done because this is pre-internet days. It wasn't until one fateful night, Scott and I are watching primetime wrestling Monday nights before Monday Night Raw, and Gorilla and Bobby would sit there at the desk, and each time they would swap out the figures, LJNs are these big 8-inch figures, so we knew exactly who was going to be coming out or hitting our Toys R Us shelves. It wasn't until one night... We were sitting there, and all of a sudden, we see Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Million Dollar Man, in these scaled-down figures. Scott and I were blown away. We didn't know what these were. We had no clue. Ends up, LJN had lost the license, and WWF picked up Hasbro, or Hasbro picked up WWF. And we are now in the era of WWF Hasbro figures. Yeah, and these debuted in 1990, ran all the way to 1994, had a bunch of series, had some mail-away figures, and the funny part about that story, Jeff, is watching primetime wrestling, we were watching on a 13-inch television. So we see these new figures on the desk, and the first thing we do is jump up out of the couch and rush up to the television trying to make out, okay, how big are these things, and who's on the desk? And that was, as you mentioned, no internet back then. That was how we found out that, okay, the big 8-inch rubber guys are out and these new smaller scale figures are in. These are completely different from LJNs. These are articulated. These have mechanisms. Each wrestler had a different mechanism. For example, Jake the Snake Roberts had a spring punch arm where you'd push his arm in and it would punch. Uh, Hulk Hogan had different types of mechanism. He had the Hulkster hug where he was basically like a bear hug. He had the press slam. So this is completely different from what we grew up with. After Series 1 came Series 2 and then on came the two packs. Road Warriors, Rockers, Bushwhackers. But what a lot of people are more interested in the Hasbros now is the prototypes. And when I say prototypes, there were a lot of figures that never came out, such as Greg the Hammer Valentine. Who was actually shown in a Toys R Us ad with Honky Tonk Man. We were supposed to get a Rhythm and Blues 2-pack, 
and Honky Tonk Man ended up being released as a singles figure, and we never got the Greg the Hammer Valentine from Rhythm and Blues. We did get a singles Greg the Hammer Valentine from a singles run, but we never got Greg the Hammer Valentine from Rhythm and Blues, who had the black hair and the white jacket with the black music notes on it. There were a lot of other prototypes. There's also Brutus Beefcake. He was supposed to be on the purple card, and he was going to be in red and yellow to match his WrestleMania 9 gear. But that figure never came to be. Some people do have it nowadays. It's now in people's possession. But that figure never made it to the line and was swapped in with Tatanka. Other noticeable changes from prototype to what we saw on the shelves. Shawn Michaels' very first figure where he... I shouldn't say first figure because his first figure was in the two-pack. But his first figure where he was heel Shawn Michaels was actually supposed to have that spring punch arm that I talked about that Jake had. That did not happen. When he hit the shelves, he had the arms up and come crashing down. Yes, and if you want to start talking about high-value figures, you're talking about the very last series of Hasbros that came out, a.k.a. the Green Card series. Those are just going insane right now on the secondary market. If you're trying to complete Hasbros, I've known a couple people over the last year that have been trying to complete their Hasbro sets and they start putting X's over all the names. But once they hit the green card series, it becomes a huge order just because of the dollar amounts that are tied to each figure. And I'm not, I'm not just talking mint on card, even loose. Those things go for quite a bit of money. As we mentioned, there's a lot of rare figures, but next to the prototypes in the Hasbro line, those green cards go for quite a bit. Moving backwards a little bit, you can equate these to the Map Mania series, which is the last series of the Remcos to be produced. They were produced in shorter numbers. Therefore, the values are way up. And in the LJNs, the black cards, or Wrestling Superstars 89, those garner the highest amounts because, as Jeff mentioned, that was in a different series. They would be in Grand Toys and not LJN. And the numbers were lower of figures produced. So a lot of people never got them. So LJN black cards, Remco Map Manias, and Hasbro prototypes and green cards are some of the most valuable figures you can get your hands on. Now, during WWF Hasbro, there was another line that came out, and it was called WCW Galoob. These were miniature, non-articulated figures. They were miniature LJNs, I guess you can basically say. Right. And Scott, I'm going to have you go into why there was only one series put out in the U.S. Yeah, unfortunately. So Galoob, as Jeff mentioned earlier was slated to get that WWF license. That deal fell through. So fast forward six years, Galoob lands the WCW license. As Jeff mentioned, these are almost miniature LJNs because they are the same scale almost as the Hasbros, which would be about a four-inch scale. Eh, three and a half to four-inch scale. But they are not articulated like the Hasbros were, nor do they have any type of action mechanism like the Hasbros did. We got our first figure of Sting, who was gigantic in 1990. Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. We got Tom Zink, Brian Pillman. We got the Steiner Brothers. We got Doom. So they had a decent lineup. And when they first came out, you could find them in pretty good supply at your local KB toy store. And they sold pretty well. So these had been out for a while. Toys R Us sees that KB is doing good numbers with the WCW figures, so Toys R Us hits up Galoob. They want to purchase some figures. 
So Toys R Us buys up a bunch of the WCW figures, loads up their pegs, but because most fans had already picked up their figures at KB Toys, Toys R Us sat on dead inventory on the pegs. Their Galoob figures didn't move as well because most of the fans already had them from KB. So, unfortunately, on U.S. soil, the Galoob line died at Series 1. However, Galoob continued overseas in the U.K., and they actually put out another series of figures. And those are very sought after, as I mentioned, with the black cards in LJN, the Matt Mania Remcos, and the green card and prototype Hasbros. The UK series figures, while they don't fetch the same dollars that those other figures do, the value over the US Galoobs is considerably higher. The UK Galoobs had a lot of repaints. The Steiner Brothers were repainted. Sid was repainted. Flying Rick, Brian. Flying Brian. Ric Flair was repainted. But we also got some newer figures. We also got Michael Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin. Yes. Now, that wasn't Jimmy Jam Garvin's first figure, nor was it Michael Hayes' first figure. Nope. They both came out in Remco's. Absolutely. But as them as a tag team in WCW, that was the first time that we had gotten those figures. We also got an updated Sting where he was in a black jacket with pink fringe. Lex Luger was in a kind of like a robe, almost like. Yeah, like a black and silver robe slash jacket. Yep. Oh, other figure, other notable figures, Big Josh. Yes, El Gigante. El Gigante, the natural Dustin Rhodes. But the bad part was is the UK Gloobs died, and there were prototypes of the next series coming out, which was going to be updated Freebirds. We were also going to have Black Blood and... Also, a Richard Morton, which would have been the very first figure of Ricky Morton. Yeah, there was going to be a Diamond Stud, too, and a PN News. And unfortunately, we never got those, but there are pictures out there of people that do have the prototypes, and they actually uh, hand-painted them as well. So it almost looks like a finished Galoob product. And they did release a wrestling ring. A terrible wrestling ring, but go ahead. (laughs) Yes, a terrible wrestling ring with a cage. Wasn't great. And the UK Galoobs, and I, I want to say the Galoob line was outstanding. They killed it. They didn't have any articulation on the figures, but we were used to playing with LJN, so it wasn't a big deal. And as we talked about on the toys that made us, another cool part of the Galoob line was they were in scale with the Hasbros. So you could start to have your dream matches of Flair and Hogan before Hasbro released a Flair figure. You could have Sting versus Hogan. You could have Sting versus Ultimate Warrior, which I know a lot of kids had. So that was kind of a cool part of the scale of the Galoobs. And as mentioned, unfortunately, in the U.S., Galoobs died off after Series 1. But you can still go to the secondary market now and get those U.K. Galoobs. Now moving along in 1994, we're going to jump down to Mexico, where there was this series called Kellyon AAA figures. Now these were also non-articulated LJN-style figures. Notable wrestlers who got their very first figure in that one, Conan. Now, it's not the Conan that you think, where it's you think of Conan with the top hat and the flannel. This was actually Conan during his Mexico days after he dropped the mask. And the very first ever Rey Mysterio. Also in 1994, old San Francisco toy makers stepped up to the plate. Old San Francisco toy makers actually got the WCW license and started making non-articulated LJN style figures. <laughs> yeah, I think LJN's just a little bit smaller and a harder rubber. They made a lot of first-time figures in this one as well. Harlem Heat got their first figures. Uh, Johnny B. Bad, Vader, 
Kevin Sullivan. These wrestlers that were big in WCW were getting first-time figures, which was which was great for us because we loved it. And what happened was this old San Francisco toy makers actually started doing repaints. Yeah, it did go quite a few series. And as it got further along in the line, you did start to see a lot of repaints. I remember seeing a lot of these at KB Toys. And if you want to go back and start collecting them, they're really not that expensive, especially if you're a loose collector. So they're definitely worth a look. And of course, much like every other toy line that has done a wrestling figure set, these also had a wrestling ring. Yes, and the likeness was actually really spot on with these figures. Yeah, they did a great job. Much like LJN did, when you saw a figure, you knew exactly who it was. Same can be said for OSFTM with their WCW line. Great job on these with the sculpts. Also, 1994 marked the end of Hasbro. WWF Hasbro, I should say. Which almost had another set, too. It almost had another series of figures, almost much like the last rumored series of LJN. And we would have gotten an American Lex Luger, a Jeff Jarrett, and Men on a Mission. But alas, much like that last series of LJN slash Grand Toys, they never got released. Little did we know, because again, pre-internet days, did we know that this was going to be the end of Hasbro. So to kind of bridge that gap, in 1994... Just Toys Bendems supplemented what we were missing in our lives. Yes, we got more Bendems. So think LJN Bendies. And that's what Just Toys Bendems were, but with the updated roster. Series 1 released in 94. And I believe that line ran all the way up to about 99 or 2000. It went quite a few series. You could usually find these red penned at your local KB Toys. That's where I always found the Just Toys Bendems. Although Toys R Us did carry them too. And the great part about KB Toys is a lot of times you'd walk in, they had the Just Toys Bendems. The older series, as newer series were coming out, would get red pen down to three for 10. And that's how I actually scored quite a few of these. And much like earlier lines of wrestling figures, as the Just Toys Bendems line carried on, you started to see these hit pegs in fewer and fewer numbers to the point where now, if you're trying to collect all of the Just Toys Bendems, those last two series are gonna, they're gonna cost you quite a bit. Yes, the very last series, I believe it was series 15, is actually worth quite a bit of money. And we're talking about Taz, Rikishi, The Rock. Isn't a cost you a a mortgage payment? Yeah, it's quite a bit. But these were cool, and they did bridge the gap between Hasbro and the next big toy giant that landed the WWF license. 1996 brought us Jax Pacific, and who the hell was Jax? (laughs) That's what all of us were asking when they came out with the figures. (laughs) The owner of Jack's, Jack Friedman, actually used to work at LJN. And he got the WWF license. Yet again, it landed in his lap. And uh, we were disappointed with Bone Crunchers. Yes, you kind of look back on them now. And there's a lot of nostalgia tied to them. Because for a lot of kids, or maybe a lot of people listening to this podcast... That was their first introduction to wrestling figures. So the Bone Crunchers actually hold a lot of nostalgic value to a lot of collectors. They don't go for a ton of money, especially loose. On-card versions are obviously more expensive. But loose versions of the earlier Bone Crunchers really aren't going to put you out much money. There are exceptions, of course. Ultimate Warrior and some of the figures that came in multi-packs like the Executioner. Some of those are going to cost you a little bit. But overall, it's not too much to get involved with the Loose Bone Crunchers. And as you mentioned, Jeff, nobody really knew who Jax was when they first came out. 
and it didn't really matter. We were just excited to have WWF action figures again. And as you mentioned with Jack Friedman, came from LJN, well, what did he do when they needed a wrestling ring? Well, he brought the Slingham Flingham LJN ring in and said, here, take this and we're going to call it the monster ring. The problem was that the scale on the ring was so bad that the top of the figure's head would barely touch the top rope. So completely was not in scale. But again, we didn't care. We were just happy to have WWF figures again. Absolutely. Now, the scaling of the Bone Crunchers went for about four years. And then all of a sudden, Jax decided to go with real scan technology and, and different body types. Yeah, they introduced Titantron Live which was a totally different body type and was made to play with their Titantron stage to where they had a metal plate on the stage and a metal plate on the bottom of the figure's foot. And when you touch the metal plates, it would play that wrestler's theme. Pretty cool concept. But the bigger thing that they did, as you mentioned, Jeff, was the real scan technology by Gentle Giant Studios. That really took Jax to the next level. It was night and day from the Bone Crunchers. Different body type. It was a harder plastic but the facial scans is what really was the kicker here. It leveled them up. You can look at some of the bone crunchers and that's not great on the facial scans or the sculpts, but when they hit the Titantron Live, more specifically like the Rulers of the Ring series or the Double Slam series, that's where Jax really took it next level and really started to take off because they were taking a real scan of the or the wrestler's face and then just basically slapping it on the figure. So these things were outstanding. And then Jax continued to just level up with the Jax Classic line. Yeah, this line really defined Jax. And when somebody says Jax-specific WWF line, Classic Superstars is the first thing that jumped into my mind. And it was a brilliant move by Jeremy Padauer because he pretty much had free reign to go out and get whoever. But the cool part was is they started putting out guys that we grew up watching. And that was awesome. Ultimate Warrior hadn't had an action figure or a wrestling figure in about six or seven years when Jack's Classic Superstars in their Series 1 gave us an Ultimate Warrior right out of WrestleMania 6. That was huge. When you saw the name on paper that they were going to be releasing it, and then when you saw the actual figure on the peg, the packaging was beautiful. It was a black... I don't even know how to describe the shape of it. It was a black package with a clear window front. And it had a beautiful gold star at the very top of it. It had classic superstars on either side of the star. And beautiful packaging. The figures inside were just fantastic. And it basically carried Jax from 2003 all the way to the end of 2009 when Jax ultimately lost the WWF license. But it was a game changer for them. Again, much like the real scan technology. But this was, as Jeff said, another level up. Because now we were getting guys in their Ruthless Aggression line that were on the main roster. But now they had classic superstars that were pulling from rosters of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and some from current day. And you just got a whole slew and mix of these guys. It really took Jax up a level when classic superstars was introduced in 2003. And Scott mentioned Jeremy Padauer. Jeremy Padauer was the lead designer, and he has said on interviews that he had free reign to go get whoever he wanted, and we were getting guys we had never gotten before. Nikita Koloff, uh, Barbarian. We were hoping to get Barbarian at the end of the LJN series. We just got so many new guys in this Jax Classic line that we had never gotten before. Yeah, and Bruno San Martino's first figure since the LJN line. So that was another big one, too. 
They also brought Hulk Hogan back. Yep. In that line, we got Hulk Hogan in Series 8 as Red and Yellow Hulk Hogan and NWO Hulk Hogan. So that was awesome. They always had the big names coming through. Just an outstanding... They also had a ticket promotion that they ran for a few series where you could do a mail away for a Hulk Hogan figure. They did a what we call a love letter to LJN later on in the Classic Superstar series where they actually released not full-scale LJNs, but more Classic Superstar-scale figures in the mold of LJN. So they weren't posable at all. Jacks were articulated different ways across different lines from Bone Crunchers to the Ruthless Aggression to Classic Superstars. They were articulated in different ways, but the LJN quote-unquote love letter in the Classic Superstar series was made in the vein of LJN in that there was no posability on them at all. But they were designed to look like the original LJN figures. And I mentioned Richard Morton or Ricky Morton before. This was the very first time that we got Rock and Roll Express figures. Yes. First time we had gotten British Bulldogs, Dynamite Kid, and Davy Boy since LJN. Now, we had had Davy Boy since then, but we hadn't had them together since LJN. Right. And they also gave us the Midnight Express. Yep. Which was the first figures ever of the Midnight Express. They were not made by Remco. They were not made in the Galoob Series 1. And they weren't made in the Galoob UK Series. So this was the first version we ever got of the Midnight Express. It was Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton. We got the Hollywood Blondes. First ever pairing of the Hollywood Blondes in figure form. So they gave us... I mean, when Jeremy had free reign to go out and get a name, he just did it. And he gave us so many great names across the class, the life of the Classic Superstars line. Like Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. We did get that guy. However, notable omissions from the Classic Superstars line. We never got a Macho Man. And we never got a Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Those were two glaring holes in that classic Superstars line that we never got. Yes. And it wasn't for lack of trying. Jeremy has talked about that on other interviews as well. During Jack's time, other figure lines did come to be. In Japan, there was a line called Sherapro. And what Sherapro was is they just put out articulated figures at the shoulders. And they put out wrestlers like Great Muda, Ultimo Dragon, a lot of... Japanese wrestlers from that Tanahashi as well his very first figure Japanese figures were a hotbed over there with these big stars like Muda and Tanahashi and Ultimo Dragon also and I'm gonna have Scott go into this because I don't want to (laughs) you hater I am WCW Toy Biz I'm gonna have you go into that Scott yeah WCW Toy Biz debuted in 99 And it went across multiple series. They did different versions of the roster at the time. And I thought they were great. They kind of were a mix of Hasbro because they had mechanisms on the figure, like a gimmick action. But the sculpting, I thought, was very good on them. They did come with accessories. For example, the Giant, or as most people know him, the Big Show, came with a mini luchador that was actually... Rey Mysterio. And some came with molded shirts. And I thought they were good. They also had a ring that was released. And it went until the death of WCW in 2001. And they did, as I mentioned, different versions of the roster at the time. They had gross-out wrestlers. 
Uh, they had a series that squirted water and just gimmicky stuff from Toy Biz slash Marvel. But anybody that was on the WCW roster at the time, the big names, you could assume that they were going to get a figure and almost everybody did. Some notable ones from this, there's a Sting with a molded black jacket that was outstanding. The Conan figure from this one. Now, Jeff, this was not Conan in his luchador days. This is Conan with the black hat, the flannel. That Conan figure is awesome. They did an unmasked Rey Mysterio figure. This is Chris Jericho's first figure. They also did a Dennis Rodman. Much like with the starting lineup, there are different versions of Rodman with different colored hair. They did an Eric Bischoff. They did a Mean Gene, which this is the first Mean Gene figure since LJN. So I thought they did a good job of capturing the roster at the time. Of course, you got a lot of Hogan's, a lot of Sting's, a lot of Nash's. Any toy company is going to put out a ton of their top stars. Hasbro gave us four Hogan's, five if you include the mail away. So that wasn't surprising, but I thought that they did a good job of capturing some of the smaller names in addition to a slew of the bigger names at the time. I love the Toy Biz line. I think it's great. Jeff, you're not such a fan. The cool part is they don't cost a lot to get into. So if that's something you're interested in, you want to go back and start collecting specifically loose figures. Card is always going to run you more, but the loose figure is not going to cost you much, too much to get into. For some reason, those gross out figures are really expensive. Well, again, when you start to get to the end of the life of a line, the number of figures released to the, the retailers starts to dwindle. And right. so there's fewer numbers out there and it's a supply and demand thing. Obviously, there's fewer figures out there. Price only goes up. Very few of those gross outs were out there, unlike the Maximum Sweats in the Jax line. Very few of the WCW Toy Biz gross outs are out there. That's why that's a higher price point on those. Also, during Jack's time, the third biggest promotion put out figures, and we're talking about ECW in 1999, put out by... Welcome back, old San Francisco toy makers. You guys lost the WCW license, so what did you do? You went after ECW. And these were not rehashes of their WCW figures, meaning a scaled-down LJN, completely not posable, made of a harder rubber. These actually were more in the vein of Hasbro's. So while Toy Biz also took that action mechanism from Hasbro, but their figures were taller, ECW figures were a touch taller than the Hasbro's and all had an action mechanism. Most all of them included an accessory of some type. Most notable from the ECW line which carried on for, I would say, five or six series. We did get a ring. They did a lot of repaints later on in the line. For example, a Tommy Dreamer and a yellow ECW shirt. I don't get it. But (laughs) anybody who was anybody in ECW got a figure. Most notable series one, Dudley Boys. Dudley Boys were hot at the time. They had already started to transition over to WWF. And when those figures came out, they were hot and they were hard to find. Also notable, Rob Van Dam. That was a hard figure to find as well. Yeah, and you know what was cool about those those figures? The belt accessories. I yes. thought that they did a great job on the belts. The figures themselves were good, and they did actually spike in price for a little bit. I don't know if the values of, the, of these are still way up there like they were earlier in the year, but definitely if you were an ECW fan, these are worth a look. Think a little bit bigger than Hasbro's, but a lot of them had the same gimmick actions of the Hasbro figures. They took that lovable part of Hasbro with the gimmick actions and tied them into the ECW OSFTM line. 
As 2001 came to an end, ECW was long gone. Vincent Kennedy McMahon had purchased WCW. So all we had at that time was Jacks. They were the only game in town. And along comes this little company called Total Nonstop Action, or TNA for short, that started to garner a little bit of steam. So, welcome back, Toy Biz, or TNA Marvel figures, as they are known for. 2005 to 2007, these ran. First series had AJ Styles, the phenomenal one. Had Christopher Daniels, a lot of the big TNA stars that we were looking forward to, because at the time, TNA was putting on a weekly show that you had to purchase on pay-per-view. It was 10 bucks every Wednesday, but that's okay. But at the same time, we want figures of these guys. We're seeing Christopher Daniels each week. We're seeing AJ Styles each week. We're seeing Abyss. We're seeing America's Most Wanted, which was their popular tag team. And we wanted figures so bad, and Marvel got the license. And what made these figures unique is these figures were basically WWE Mattel elites before WWE Mattel elites were even a thing. And what I mean by that is based off of the articulation and the scaling, they are very similar to WWE Mattel elites. They're articulated in a lot of the same places. So Marvel actually kind of set the, the table for WWE Mattel elites. The cool part about the TNA line is I feel it got better as the line went on. Mm-hmm. Much like we, we spoke about Jax earlier from their Bone Crunchers to the Titan Tron to the R3 Tech to the Rulers of the Ring to Ruthless Aggression. It kept getting better. And I would say the same of the Marvel TNA line. The first series was good and you got some good names. They put out some two packs as well. But as the line went on, the carding got better that held the figures, but the figures themselves got better. In fact, the Christian Cage that was put out in this line is one of the best wrestling figures ever produced by anyone. Correct. And Christian Cage was, or is, Christian from WWE. Yes. Yes. Came in a golden black jumpsuit. Fantastic figure. As you said, one of the greatest figures ever made. You just look at it and you know who exactly it is. And the amount of detailing that went into that figure, just beautiful. In 2009, actually, I should say in about 2008, it was kind of announced that WWE was going to part from Jax. Then we found out that Mattel, the famous Mattel that worked on Barbie and other famous toy lines, Hot Wheels, was going to be taking over the WWE line. 2010 came, January 1st, there were figures right on the pegs. Yeah, they didn't waste any time, did they? Nope, and they hit it hard and strong. That's what she said. (laughs) They came out with CM Punk, Undertaker, Rey Mysterio, and these figures were beautiful. Right out of the chute, just beautiful figures. Right out. Remind us of Hasbro, because Hasbro's first series was just absolutely perfect. Mattel did a great job right out of the chute as well. Yeah, and they gave us basically what is the current day model for the most part. You got a basic figure that you could purchase for about 10 bucks. You could purchase a two pack of figures that were basics and were about 20 bucks. Then they had their elite line, which one figure, 20 bucks. But as Jeff talked about earlier with the TNA Marvels, better articulation and an overall better presentation and look of the figures with accessories. And to this day, 10 years later, Mattel holds to that model. We get a basic, there's a two pack of basics, 
and there's an elite, and that is the meat and potatoes of the Mattel WWE line, and it hasn't changed in 10 years. Yes, there have been lines or series that have come and gone, but the meat and potatoes has been basic, elite, two-pack. And we had battle packs. That was kind of the main run of two-packs, and now they've changed it up a little bit, but they've always kind of had that that one constant of basic, two-pack, elite, and it's worked. And you get two figures for 20 bucks. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. And what I want to point out is when Jax kicked off the R3 tech, or really it was in the Titan Tron Live, they set the scale for what would be wrestling figures moving forward. It was that six inch scale articulated depending on an elite versus a basic, but that six inch scale to this day, and that started in about 99, 2000, that scale exists to this day and is still the standard that all wrestling figures for the most part are released by. And actually other toy lines too. If you look at G.I. Joe Classified, 6-inch scale, Star Wars Black Series, 6-inch scale, a lot of toy lines are going with the 6-inch scale. Marvel Legends. Marvel Legends as well. And that's because that's where the money is at right now. It's that 6-inch scale, articulated, highly detailed. And that's what a lot of collectors are looking for. And that's what they want. And you can't deviate from it because you'll get called out. And that's what happened to DC McFarland figures. DC went in a larger scale and McFarland got called out for it. Personally, I don't mind it and I don't see anything wrong with what McFarland did, but everybody wants that six inch scale because they want their figures to be in the same scale so they can have this this war of DC versus Marvel or WWE versus other wrestling figures. That's what they want. Is they The first question out of everybody's mouth is, are they in scale with Mattel Elites when another toy company comes out with a new figure? Yeah, which there are, since 2016, there are more players in the wrestling figure game and all of them are holding to that scale that Jax made famous way back in 99 and 2000. I do want to point out that there was a quick minute where Jax had the TNA license and actually released TNA figures that were pretty much the same as their WWF figures or WWE figures. Pretty much the same scale, same articulation, just insert TNA name here. So they carried that license for a little bit. But Mattel really, to be perfectly honest, has been the juggernaut from 2010 to current day. But there are more players, as I said, that are in, involved in the game now, and they are releasing some incredible figures that are in scale with the Mattel figures. Figures Toy Company is releasing Legends, Rising Stars, and Ring of Honor wrestlers. Super 7 has picked up the New Japan license. New Japan Pro Wrestling is over in Japan and a very popular Japanese promotion. Those figures have not hit the doorsteps as of this recording due to certain pandemics that are going on, but... Storm Collectibles has stepped in as well. Now, Storm Collectibles is known for making uh, like Mike Tyson articulated figures. They've now they've done Jushin Thunder Liger. They've also done Hulk Hogan in a highly articulated figure as well. In multiple scales too. They've done a one fourth Hogan, and then they've done the Mattel scale, as as what I'll basically call it, the six inch scale. They've done a Mattel scale, as you mentioned, Jushin Liger and Hogan. And with the Hogan figure, they've actually done different versions of Hogan from NWO 
to Hogan and his rarely seen blue trunks and white American made t-shirt to your run of the mill Hulk rules red and yellow Hogan. So they've really taken that Hogan ball and run with it. Also jumping into the game is a little company called Boss Fight Studios, and they are making Legends of Lucha Libre figures. They're making Penta and Phoenix. They're making Conan, Taya Valkyrie, Ultimo Dragon. They're making a lot of Legends of Lucha Libre figures. BossFightStudios.com. Check them out. And also, let's welcome back the man that we had spoken about earlier, Jeremy Padauer. Jeremy Padauer has now gotten the AEW All Elite Wrestling license and AEW just hit the shelves earlier or whenever you're listening to this about mid last year 2020 in that first series was the Young Bucks now I'm not going to say this was the very first Young Bucks figures because that is not true figures toy company and Chalkline LJN had put some out but this is the very first ever AEW Young Bucks figures Yes. Also, you got Kenny Omega. They've already done an elite scale ring that came with a variant Kenny Omega. So really with Jeremy, you saw what he did with the Jack's WWF license. And he's taking that experience now and bringing it to Jazzwares AEW line. And I can't think of any better anybody better to take that ball and run with it. I think he's going to do an incredible job. We all can pretty much predict there's going to be a Legends line. He had so much success with the classic superstars line with Jax. You can almost bet the house and the farm on him doing a legends line in AEW. And you can only think of the guys from the NWA that he's just salivating to go out and get. If they give him free reign to go get names like he did with the classic superstars license, watch out because that can really take Jazzwares AEW line to the next level. And that rounds out all the wrestling figures that are up to now. And I hope you guys enjoyed this because these wrestling figures have brought Scott and I so much joy throughout our lives. Just finding them on pegs or remembering back to the days of bugging mom and dad. Hey, mom and dad, we need to get this black card series from Grand Toys out of this catalog or this wrestling catalog. And I hope you guys had a little fun nostalgia with it because thinking back to those days of Scott picking me up from school and then us going home and breaking up the breaking open the Hasbro's after stopping off at Castro Village Toy Shop, which was a little toy shop in Castro Valley, California. It it's it's things like that that just bring us happiness and bring us the overwhelming nostalgia feel and happiness. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and also got that same feeling as well. Yeah, this was a lot of fun to kind of revisit it to look at where we're at now with all the new players in the game. And all the different figures that they're releasing, basically, they have a humongous history book of names to dip into and make figures of. As compared to, say, Remco or LJN way back when, they had to stick with current rosters. So, it's really cool now, especially Mattel. They have given us a humongous list of wrestlers. Now, we mentioned the big omissions out of the Classic Superstars line from Jax were Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man. Mattel righted that and gave us Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat in their Legends line. Mattel has had a ton of different offshoot series that they've done, Defining Moments, Ultimate Editions, Entrance Greats, quite a few of them. All of them have been fantastic. The list continues to grow with the legends that they're giving us. And I always say this on Fully Posable, Jeff, it is a great time to be a wrestling figure collector. We've got a bunch of different names giving us wrestling figures now. We've got... Uh, you name them, they've got a figure 
game going on in, in wrestling collecting now. And it's incredible. It is just a great time to be a part of it and to see where they've come from that gorgeous George puppet all the way to a current day Ultimate Edition Charlotte Flair. You look at the differences between them and it, it's incredible how far the wrestling figure game has come and they're only getting more popular and unfortunately, they're only getting more expensive. So <laughs> maybe get a second and third job. If you're listening to this show, it is worth a look at, at what is going on right now with wrestling figures because it's incredible. If you've got a favorite, there's a figure of them, but be careful because it's a slippery slope because once you buy that first one, you're going to have 100 before you know it. And we hope you guys do go and get that first one or you want to go back to your childhood and get that Hasbro or LJN after listening to this episode. And if you do, you can find us on Twitter at fully posable, all one word, fully posable and show us that you listen to Podcasticon and you heard us and you went on and purchased a figure because if you did that because of this episode, then we did our job because we want you guys to go back and collect those figures that brought you happiness back in the day that you looked back and you remember sitting Indian style with your wrestling figures and booking your cards and stuff like that, because that's what Scott and I remember. And that's what we want you guys to remember as well. And those happy feelings you can find us on iTunes at fully posable. Hell, you can just do a Google search fully posable wrestling figure podcast, and it'll come right up and you can listen to our latest episode. My name is Jeff. And sitting alongside next to me is my real life brother, not storyline brother, Scott. And uh, we want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Thanks for having us on, Richard. We appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Hashtag fig life. Adios. Let's go Jeff and Scott, the Tomb Brothers, busting out the ring But we don't take it out the box, M-O-C Happy toy hunting, we'll see you next week We're the OGs of WFP Fully posable, thank you all for listening It ain't no storyline, real life siblings So everybody go and do your toy spotting Hashtag Fig Life, adios from the Kings